You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. Say hello to my little film. It's B-Movies, thanks to Metse Bar, your source for all things NZIFF, thanks to the best place to go before or after. It certainly is, and we'll be chatting to director Tom Zimney in just a moment. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio When I was just a baby My mama told me, son Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno Just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing I hang my head and cry There's rich folks eating from a fancy dining car They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars Well, I know I had it coming I know I can't be free But those people keep a moving And that's what tortures me That lonesome whistle Blow my blues away That was Johnny Cash, of course. That's Folsom Prison Blues, recorded live at Folsom Prison. And we have got director Tom Zimney in the studio, who's directed The Gift, which is all about Johnny Cash. Kia ora, Tom. Welcome to New Zealand and welcome to BFM. Well, thank you. This is great to be here. It's very exciting um, to be talking about this movie. Someone's just texted in, tune, nice. It's an incredible album, the Folsom Prison album, um, and it's sort of a focal point in this documentary that you've made about um, Johnny Cash's life. I, I think, why why is that something that you decided to sort of use as a, I guess, like a narrative fulcrum for this movie? It, it was a moment in Johnny Cash's life uh, that I started to obsess about because I started thinking that it was a concert that uh, it was a bigger moment that the music in the concert somehow reflected all his life and mm. his struggles and his journeys. And I had made a film on Elvis Presley and I uh, 
told the beginning and, and end of, uh, of Elvis's life. And I like this idea of having an A story and then interrupting the A story with mm-hmm. a B story that's a giant moment. For Johnny Cash, that was Folsom. That was the way I could take apart the narrative. And, and also, um, I loved looking at the small details of, a, of an artist's life. And Folsom had this great thing of examining the set list and the motivations behind mm-hmm. it. And, uh, you know, it just it just made sense. It was very tough to, to build in the cutting room because there's no real footage of Folsom. So I, I worked with stills and... Uh, and the and the wonderful soundtrack that was produced there. It, it's an incredible, um, incredible soundtrack. And something that I find really amazing about this documentary, and it's I think it's true to your to your documentary style, is that you you don't have talking heads. You have the voices from lots of amazing voices uh, from the music industry, people who knew Johnny, his family. But at no point do you see them on the screen unless it is in an archival video. And in that way, you kind of get this beautiful uh, fluidity to the narrative of Johnny Cash's life that's not interrupted by faces popping up to be like, I I knew him, X, Y, Z, you know. When did you start working like that? And what made you kind of realise that was a, a way that worked for you as a director? I think it's a great question because it's um, a big part of my process as a director to put myself in that place of fear in the cutting room where, you know, what do you put over this mm. image, this voice? What image is going to go over it? So I stumbled upon this idea um, when I was working on uh, an Elvis Presley documentary. And I started to think about this idea of stepping into the dream, mm-hmm. the dream of Elvis or the dream of Johnny Cash. And that meant for me that we never... Um, we never suddenly appear in, in, a, in a music studio in a contemporary moment or a hotel room that's dressed mm-hmm. for an interview. And I realized that a lot of times in other films, as a viewer, I was taken out of out of a dream feeling that archival film or stills can present. So for me, it became this great challenge of um, trying to convince people that we don't need to see someone filmed. And then the first interview I had in this process, um, I realized I was with Priscilla Presley. And, and I realized that something magical happens when it's just like this radio or it's just sound mm. being recorded. And, I, and a part of me loves old radio programs and sound design of those shows and also the musicality of people's voices, the mm-hmm. beauty of Johnny Cash talking. Um, you get to focus on that when you don't have that feeling of, oh, where is... Where or you know where was this artist interviewed? Why are they at a studio? What your brain does all this extra homework. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the voice is an amazing, powerful thing, but it's also a scary thing in the cutting room. What do you put over yeah. the sound of somebody talking, like Bruce Springsteen talking about sin and redemption? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, it's just it's a great challenge, and 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 I've worked around some people who seem to have um, embraced that chaos. So each one of these movies, uh, Elvis Presley or working with Bruce Springsteen and and on a Johnny Cash film, I take myself out of that comfort zone. Absolutely. Well, it feels very natural to watch, I think. So you've done an amazing job. Thank you. I I really love the idea of, I guess, pairing these really well-known voices, some of them, with kind of images that we may never have seen before of somebody who is quite an icon. I mean, in many ways, Johnny Cash kind of has the archetype story of a rock and roll kind of rise and then crash and then redemption sort of within his life. When you when you kind of approach these big stories, because as you were saying, you've looked at Elvis, you've worked with Bruce Springsteen extensively as well. How do you sort of, I guess, get into the, the world of these different people? Where's your entry point into researching them and getting to know them? 
Well, entry point always is what was their childhood like? And and with Elvis, I, I did exactly that, which is uh, one of the things I've learned working around Bruce is that you really step into the shoes of the character. When he's writing a song, I feel like I know the details. Mm. So I do spend a lot of time thinking about Johnny Cash, you know, what was going on? What was the radio that he was? And take a look at that radio. Mm-hmm. It might not end up in the film, um, but also... Um, not relying on books for stories, knowing that things happen that are smaller details that actually are sometimes more important. Mm-hmm. A shorthand history of a lot of these artists' lives gets repeated again and again. So I try to look for the details that um, are smaller details. And Johnny's relationship with his father wasn't a very simple black and white thing. And, and there was movie feature films made that just presented one idea. and. Mm. And you really try to expand on what's been out there and also at times not repeat certain histories. Yeah. Just yeah. just establish it as that's been told. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something different. And um, for me, always the entry point is looking at the relationship of the father, their relationship to music, because music for Bruce Springsteen and Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley, early on it, it, it tapped into something very deep and it wasn't. It wasn't a job. This was a, a spiritual connection. Totally, yeah. Especially with Johnny Cash, I think a lot of people testify to this in, in the documentary as well. So much of the kind of gospel that comes through his music comes from the incredible tragedy that he, he dealt with in his life, like the death of his brother. And I think the film does a really remarkable thing of kind of focusing on the, I guess, the funeral and the songs that are played at his funeral and how actually that one moment does really affects the way he writes music throughout his whole career in many ways as well. Were you surprised by things that you were sort of discovering about Johnny Cash and and these other people that you've looked at as a documentary maker? Do you sort of find that you're constantly surprised by the way your research sort of sends you in different directions? I'm always surprised because I I love um, being wrong. Mm -hmm. And discovering what, you know, like you, you have a sense of, well, Johnny Cash grew up around gospel, just that simple idea. But then you realize it had a powerful effect for him as a child when he had to deal with his brother's death. Mm. And then you realize, wait, wait a minute, he's always returning to gospel. Mm-hmm. So then you see this cycle of, of it being an important element in his life that he returns to. And then you look at it. And when he returned to, to the theme of gospel or what he has said in interviews, and you slowly piece together the narrative, and it is a, a whole process of discovering, and you have to go in there, sometimes just chasing things that mean a lot to you. With, mm. with, with Johnny Cash, I love this idea, and it's in the documentary that he threw items into a lake. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, it was a small detail that was thrown at me in the middle of an interview. And I kept going back to it. And, um, you know, working with Bruce Springsteen, he's, he's taught me that idea of, you know, it, it doesn't have to make sense in the moment. And if that, and if in your gut there's something there, chase mm-hmm. it. Well, that's kind of how lyrics and music work as well, isn't it? Or even just a chord or something like that. It catches you. And, you know, it's a three-minute long song or something. Exactly. But that lasts however many decades or however many lifetimes because it resonates with people, you know. It doesn't it, have to make sense necessarily. It, it, sometimes it never you never quite understand it and um and sometimes you know like the beauty of 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 making documentary films this way is uh is is hearing back um someone being connected to something that you just thought you were Mm. there in the cutting room and it meant something to you and uh, i'm I'm most grateful because i had the estate 
help me by making the film feel uh, different by giving me images that were not the iconic Johnny Cash by giving me stories John Carter and Roseanne spent time with me and, and told me stories and and gave me the time to give this side of Johnny that uh, he was reveal both the musician the artist but also the father mm, totally I, I found that really remarkable the sort of ways his family would talk about him as well it makes him a, a whole human you know a real person not just this rock and roll sort of icon that everyone knows him as yeah and, I love tearing down the icon in my own way which is um, you know sometimes when you see an amazing photo of Johnny Cash or an amazing photo of Elvis Presley it really looks cool it looks great but your brain shuts off a little bit yeah if you see them as people uh, you go through 300 stills and there's one outtake and there's a shot of Johnny Cash and he's just gives a certain expression that reads I, I always pull that still yeah, and then wait for the moment of the film to say oh that's the image that's the you know Johnny was in turmoil over something oh that still will work perfect mm. so that's how I build the still uh, build the film with the editors is, is really picking out a lot of emotional tones looking at archival footage and, and also keeping away from just the greatest hits I'm not I, I love to dig into the vault absolutely and I think also when you when you do that as well it, it reminds people that that they are people and that also you know the the core of what it is their their music or their work is about I, I think um Emmylou Harris is one of the voices in this and she she sums it up really well at especially the Folsom prison um gig that did a really incredible thing of of showing how Johnny Cash's music acknowledged, I think she said, our common humanity, and that's something that is really like a, a little grit in all of his, all of his uh, work, really. And I think when you get past the Ring of Fire and all the, the songs that everybody knows that have kind of become more than themselves now, and you get back to that, it's really remarkable to see how much that did drive him throughout his whole career and just the way he he wrote and the way he kind of composed himself, I guess. I, I find well, I'm so glad that. To hear you say that it means a lot to me as a filmmaker, and it's kind of the goal that I was having early on when you first dream about what will this film be, and and um, you know when I would see footage of Johnny Cash at the end of his life, and he was struggling to hold the guitar and get the microphone there, and and there's a whole generation that connected to the Rick Rubin sessions and, mm. and heard in the video, and but the side that I was really connecting to was this artist um, to the very end who was going to. Uh, connect with this music this music that came to him as a higher power as a kid so uh, you know i i i i chase these stories and uh i'm fortunate enough to uh work with bruce springsteen and recognize a lot of the qualities of that commitment and also you know some of the struggles mm, absolutely and, and johnny cash in that film um i really tried to go beyond what the hollywood version was things didn't just end up perfect with June. No. And and um his first wife was this human and it was she was part of the movie. Exactly. You know, it's not yeah. just a footnote in history. Um so I really try to honor those smaller details and uh for me it's 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 just been a real dream to work with this stuff and it, coming off of um, Elvis Presley this is a very different story but in some some ways it's a continuation of the, of, of the guys from Sun. Absolutely well it's a really remarkable movie The Gift The Journey of Johnny Cash it's on as part of the NZIFF uh, you can go and see it on July the 30th tickets are selling fast that's tonight 
uh, the su- yes tonight 6.15pm that's at the ASB Waterfront Theatre uh, and then also tomorrow at 3.15pm down at the ASB Waterfront Theatre as well and Tom you're also doing a masterclass with NZIFF as well which sounds very exciting um, can you give us a little bit of info about that are you going sure. to be talking to people yeah I, I have, what I have prepa- prepared is um, you know just uh, having a dialogue about the experience of coming into filmmaking as an editor to a director working on the films of Bruce Springsteen and, and some of the films I mentioned in the interview which is you know the Elvis Presley film The Searcher and up to recently, um, the Johnny Cash film, mm-hmm. and I, I really want to take down, uh, take apart the process a little slower, and and uh, and uh, you know, meet some of the filmmakers here. It's a great honor to be here in the festival, and uh, it's a lovely, lovely place. Well, if people want to head along to that, that's on Thursday, the first of August, at two p.m. until five thirty p.m., and it's uh, at AUT. Tickets are thirty dollars full price or twenty dollars uh, for Industry Guild concession. That's a bargain. That's going to be a really fantastic uh, session. So thank you so much you. for coming up and chatting to us. We're going to finish with another Johnny Cash song. This one's "I Hung My Head." Why have you picked this one, Tom? Because it's one of those beautiful magical tracks at the end of his life, and it worked in the film in this way that I, I, I just felt like his voice conveyed the the beauty and magic of, of those last chapters. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Time to kill I borrowed Jeb's rifle And sat on the hill I saw a lone rider Crossing the plain I drew a bead on him To practice my aim My brother's rifle Went off in my hand A shot rang out Across the land The horse he kept running the rider was dead I hung my head I hung my head I set off running To wake from the dream My brother's rifle Went into the sheen I kept on running into the Southlands That's where they found me My head in my hands The sheriff he asked me Why had I run And then it came to me Just what I had done And all for no reason Just one piece of lead I hung my head I hung my head Here in the courthouse, the whole town was there. I see the judge high up in his chair. Explain to the courtroom what went through your mind. And we'll ask the jury what verdict they find. I felt the power of death over life. I orphaned his children. I widowed his wife. I beg their forgiveness. I wish I was dead I hung my head I hung my head I hung my head I hung my head 
early one morning with time to kill I see the gallows up on the hill and out in the distance a trick of the brain I see a lone rider crossing the plain and he come to fetch me to see what they done and we'll ride together till kingdom come I pray for God's mercy cause soon I'll be dead I hung my head I hung my head I hung my head I hung my head Absolutely gorgeous Johnny Cash track. That's I Hung My Head. Thank you again to director Tom Zimney for coming and speaking to us about The Gift, the journey of Johnny Cash, which you can go and see tonight as part of the film festival. Tickets are selling fast for that, so if it sounds like you, you better jump online and get those now. That's happening at the ASB Waterfront Theatre at 6.15pm. It's also on tomorrow, though, at 3.15pm. And Tom is doing a masterclass, so if you're interested in learning a bit more about the art of filmmaking, particularly documentaries... Uh, then that's on the 1st of August, 2pm until 5.30pm. It's at AUT. Tickets are $30 full price or $20 if you are in the industry industry guild. Uh, that's a pretty mean price though, so I would just absolutely go along if you want to learn a bit more about that. We're still talking movies and we've got a $50 voucher for Metze Bar to give away. So if you'd like to get your hands on that, text us now, 5395 with the word Metze, M-E-Z-Z-E. Uh, and we will pick a winner shortly. We've got Sarah in the studio. Kia ora, Sarah. How are you going? Kia ora. How's your morning going? It's been very nice so far. Enjoyed chatting to Tom Zimney. Very yeah, that good. was lovely. Johnny Cash movie. So you'd recommend that film? I haven't seen that one. I definitely, definitely would. Um, I also, I love the Folsom Prison Tapes. Uh, it's a great album. My dad made me listen to it on a car trip once, and I was like, oh, dad's making me listen to this thing when I was a teenager, <laughs> and actually he was right. It's a really good album. <laughs> so I take it back. Sorry, dad. Uh, but yeah, it's a really good movie, so I'd recommend that one to people. Um, and you can go and watch that tonight, actually, if you want to go and see it. You can, yes. It's tonight and tomorrow. And I believe that Tom Zimney will be doing a Q&A mm. after both screenings. Awesome. So a very eloquent man, if you wish to hear him speak more on the topic. Exactly. Well, what are we talking about this morning, Sarah? Well, this is kind of the last segment we have in our NZIFF special. I love this time of year. I love B-movies. We've had lots of movies that we've been talking about here on The Breakfast Show. Um, I initially intended to come in and talk about The Day Shall Come, which is Chris Morris's film in the film festival. Chris Morris, uh, some of our listeners may know, for bringing us such batty wonderment as Brass Eye, uh, uh, Nathan Barley, um... Blue Jam, Jam. Did he do Nathan Barley? He co-wrote Nathan okay, Barley. Okay, that makes sense now. So that was that was uh, Chris Morris and Charlie Brooker. So right. it's a very, very black, very bleak, very uh, ripping the media apart type of humour. Um, Chris Morris, his first feature 
uh, directed film, I believe, was called Four Lions. I love Four and Lions. And that got a lot of press because the the elevator pitch was, oh no, Chris Morris is making a comedy about suicide bombers in the London Marathon, which is not funny. That's like a very real horrible threat. But if anybody can do it, it's Chris Morris. I'm, I think he still holds the record for the most complaints received by any BBC programme for his Brass Eye special on uh, paedophiles. Wow. Which, again, is not trying to say that paedophilia is funny in any way. No. But the media's kind of high... Fascination with it. High panic and, uh, gosh, look under your bed, there might be something scary there, everybody live in fear, Mm. is, is a topic that for him he keeps coming back to. Uh, the film that is in the film festival this year uh, has a similarly controversial topic. It is based around the war on terror and uh, an FBI agent played by Anna Kendrick um, who is basically trying to impress her boss mm-hmm. and invent uh, a terrorist. Right. So she finds someone who she thinks she can push towards being a threat. Yeah. So she can then bring that person in and look really good. And who, who's the person that she sort of decides upon? Uh, he is an impoverished preacher who heads a kind of weird sub-religion. And you go, are you well in the head? Are you not well in the head? Are you a little bit schizophrenic? But it doesn't matter to Anna Kendrick's character. She's she's got an agenda in on something. Yeah. She's got an agenda. It's a really horrible. Uh, metaphor for the war on terror and as a lot of people have been saying a lot of similarities to the story of Malcolm X Mm. Um, it will be very bleak it will also be very funny the screenplay is by Chris Morris as well it's also by Jesse Armstrong who listeners may know as one of the writers of Peep Show okay so it's all this This kind of of very British very dry very um, and humans awful that sort of thing but that being said though what I always find about Chris Morris films is that even though it's like aren't humans awful there's also this thing also aren't humans amazing and sad and And messy and silly yeah Yeah, totally I definitely think Four Lions is like that I found myself crying at the end of totally. Four Lions for reasons I did not totally. think if I was going to cry in that movie, that would be why. I, I kind of imagine this movie will be of a similar thing. Yes. yes. Uh, it is on the 1st of August, which is this Thursday, and the 2nd of August, which is Friday. It's not a long film. The Thursday screening is at 9pm and the Friday screening is at 4pm. They're both at the Civic, so it'll be great to see it with a big audience because... His laughs are weird laughs, and they're nice to share them with other people. I was going to say, I think you need people around you to be like, I'm not the only person laughing at this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It'll be super interesting. Cool. Um, What else is happening, though? Because there's like a few more screenings of movies that have been popular already. So Uh, now during the festival is the time where they decide what the encore screenings are going to be, particularly for things that have sold out or gone mm -hmm. great guns. In Auckland, they've only announced four. They may be holding on to a few to see what ticket sales are like in the last week. Um, Marianne and Leonard, which is a documentary about Leonard Cohen's long love for this woman called Marianne. It's what he wrote so long Marianne for. Pardon me, I'm having problems talking today. Uh, Peterloo, Maria by Callas, which is a documentary on the wonderful singer Maria Callas. Which uh, Penny Penny was talking about the other week on fashion and she loved it. She loved it. it. Very, very sad life. Very powerful, wonderful woman. And A White White Day, which has proven to be a big favourite at the festival. 
which has two encore screenings at Rialto Newmarket. Um, but also, you and I have seen a stupid amount of films. I know, this I feel like I've got Rachel. film fatigue, but that's kind of a good thing. It's a to good have. thing. It's a prison of our own making. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> what would you recommend that punters go and see? What have been your favourites? Last night I went and saw um, Vada by Agnes, which is the big Agnes Vada documentary that we spoke to Amanda Jane Robinson about the other week. And it was so lovely. She's an incredible. Uh, documentary maker, an incredibly funny woman who sadly passed away earlier in the year, but she lived a very full and very long life. She was well over 90. Um, And I think what it is as a movie is it's a really great entry point if you've never seen any of her movies before. It gives you a lot of like accessible ways of kind of coming at her as a person and the way she's sort of structured her career. But also it's just like a really lovely thing to watch if you do love her movies because she's a very funny woman. She's re- like a real she's character. character eh? She's such character. And she's very self-aware about that. But she loves people too. So all of her movies are really about you know her love of people um and she's quite you know dry as well her jokes are very sort of dry and um she's a really fantastic feminist icon as well so it's a really great movie if you have never seen anything of hers before or if you love her a lot i would recommend it some of her films are uh, still have screen